Hello, fanatics. It's Chris Williams. I want to tell you today about the Forever True for Iowa State campaign, a historic initiative by the Iowa State University Foundation to raise donations that will help benefit every aspect of the university. Cyclones everywhere are helping reach the unprecedented $1.5 billion goal. Yes, the cyclone spirit is a force to be reckoned with. More than 81,000 donors have given to the campaign thus far, including over 27,000 first-time donors. So far, these donors have gifted more than $1.2 billion. The cyclone energy is truly unstoppable. The campaign has achieved an amazing amount of success thanks to gifts of every size. The impact is seen all across campus too, from the South End Zone Club to the North End Zone Construction to the thousands of students who receive scholarship support. You can learn more at forevertrueisu.com because the world needs more Cyclone Spirit. Hey everybody, this is the Title IX Podcast on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. I'm Steph Copley, here again with my friend Elisa Woods, and we are pumped to be back in studio recording episode two. Episode two, they let us back in. I know, I know, we had to break our way in, but they let us <laughs> They let us in eventually. <laughs> Thanks guys. Uh, before I say or do anything else, I have some very important breaking news to announce. What is it? Oh, you know what it is. Oh yeah. Yes, so our last episode, I told our listeners that you are a Blue Ribbon Baker. Oh yeah. This is so much cooler than that ladies and gentlemen since our last episode Elisa joined the ranks of baseball legends Barry Bonds Sammy Sosa Mark McGuire when she hit a home run in her slow pitch softball game gosh I thought you were gonna say something about my roids (laughs) you're not supposed to say that in public no no roids um yeah I hit a home run over the fence over the fence oh my gosh it was epic it was epic but it was also a little bit of a letdown so let me tell you okay so we're only allowed three home runs for the whole game which I I think it's bull but we're allowed three home runs and so we want to use them strategically right. so you try and do them when there's like two people on base or something like that so the inning started with my friend Brent and he was up first and he can pretty much hit a home run whenever he wants and so I was like hey save it you know don't hit a home run and he's like okay and he grounds out line I don't know lines out who knows what he did but he doesn't hit a home run and so then I'm up and I'm just hit one over and I was like oh shit nobody on base everyone's like oh way to be selfish I mean they were excited everyone's excited of course as they should be yeah when you hit a home run I mean especially when the girls hit home runs because that doesn't happen very often but like I just was like, oh, sorry, guys, but also you not You shouldn't apologize sorry. for a home run. No, no, I yeah. didn't. Was that your first one? It was my first one this year. Okay. I've hit them over a couple other times. I hit one over that didn't count because it was like our fourth home run last year. Um, yeah, I've hit them over a couple times. There was a girl, I think the last game that we had, I hit one over, but it was foul. And she was like, oh, have you ever seen a chick hit a home run? And I was like, yeah. Seen myself do it, baby. (laughs) I have seen a chick hit a home run. Uh, (laughs) I've never hit one before, so I feel like I'm sitting in the presence of greatness You are. I am. I am. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And I have another opportunity tomorrow. Okay. Well, we'll be rooting for you. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Pressure's on. Now that we have that breaking news out of the way, we just want to thank everybody for the awesome feedback we got after the first episode dropped. Yeah. Yeah, it was epic. I mean, people I th- people said that it was the greatest podcast of all time. Of all time. And they were right. They were right. Yeah. The weird thing was, 
meeting you for the first time, leading up to the podcast, recording the podcast, I wasn't nervous at all. But as soon as that sucker went live, I thought I was going to lose my I lunch. Know. Yes. We were like texting each other like, oh my gosh, like, did you see what that person said? Did you see what that person said? Yeah. I've, I, it's been a long time since I've been that nervous. And I told my husband it would have been a real bummer if I had actually, he had made me smoke salmon on the Traeger, which is my <laughs> all time favorite food. So if I had gotten sick, it would have been really, oh, really no. big bummer, but we're good. We when made you it. Said he made me smoke and I was like, okay, you, you were really nervous. He cooked he me smoked smoke. salmon. Okay. Smoked salmon. I got it. So thanks everybody. We appreciated it. Uh, we hope we can continue to deliver, but we should have known better. Cyclone fans are the best humans. So it's true. Yes. So thanks a lot. We have a, an actual football game to discuss today. It was a lot closer than either of us hoped it would be. I really hoped we could come in here and celebrate just kicking the snot of an opponent yeah. like we were supposed to. But alas, we're Iowa State. We can't have nice things. And no. that's not exactly how it played out. But at least we have a win to talk about. Yeah. Because there were a few times that uh, we considered canceling the pod totally. Yep. yep. I think that I texted you that I no longer like sports. Yeah, that happened. Yep. Yeah. It was it was an up and down game. Oh, my gosh. My pits are sweating just <laughs> thinking about it. Well, get ready to sweat some more. We're going to spend the first part of the podcast talking about the game itself. Then we're going to transition a little bit, take a little bit of a slight right, and talk some women's tennis. There was a pretty neat moment in the U.S. Open yesterday, a real girl power moment. So we're going to chat about that for a few minutes and then we're going to take a hard right and talk about something that is a little uh, tough I would say heavy heavy intense we are approaching the one-year anniversary of the death and murder of Celia Barquain Rosamena and the very first time I met you Lisa I told you this is something I wanted to talk about yeah. and you were awesome about it and we just want to take a few minutes to revisit some of the difficult but I think necessary conversations that arose out of that tragedy so we'll spend probably the latter half of the podcast talking about that oh, definitely should we start with football though let's start with football as God. that popular etsy t-shirt says they did the things they won the points and they came away with the victory <laughs> i actually got that t-shirt from two different people one year for christmas my best friend and my mom they know you well <laughs> no it says like win the points yes do the thing yes something like that it's yep. pretty great i listened to uh, chris williams instant reaction podcast right after the game yeah. and i think the word he used was survive mm. but I'm going to be slightly less optimistic and say we escaped yes yeah it was more of an escape I think so I guess while we're being pessimistic do you want to start with the negatives yeah, definitely <laughs> I just think like my word is vanilla yeah it just looked like boring Brock seemed handcuffed he didn't really throw down the field he didn't really try and do much on his feet like the things that we really know him for he didn't do and what it kind of reminded me of and a lot of people were saying you know oh maybe they're saying saving a lot of what they had for the Iowa game and they just thought that we would walk all over you and I kind of overlooked you and I this and that and what it kind of made me think of was like the preseason NFL games right they really don't mean anything and a lot of times people like media is like oh my gosh you know Aaron Rodgers did this and that and or so and so didn't play yeah or, yeah. yeah and it's like uh, all Aaron Rodgers did was like lateral passes or something that's and uh, that's all he can do now you know and it's like no that's all that the coach wanted him to do right like hey let's focus this whole game on rushing you know let's focus this whole game on this one certain play we want to do and that's kind of what it felt like is that there was just one certain type of play they just wanted to you know keep 
all of their great hopefully hopefully keep all of their great plays under wraps for you know conference games for the Iowa game or something like that but they just weren't showing anything fantastic and there was so much hype before this game that it was almost a letdown even though we won it was a letdown seeing that team out there because it's not the team that we expected to see right and I think uh, I was talking to my husband about this and it's you know the big cliche one game at a time but it's a cliche for a reason you have to play these games one game at a time and if we didn't win against you and I I don't care what we had to do I don't care if we are throwing our playbook our entire playbook on the field you have to win that game to have this season that we all want to have so it got a little dicey (laughs) for more than a few minutes I would say yeah yeah so it was rough it was rough but um you know obviously we were all looking forward to watching the defense and the defense I think delivered the way we hoped they'd deliver yeah and the strange part of it is I had forgotten I was listening to um well actually Jared's podcast I think (laughs) the football and random things podcast and I was also listening to when uh, Chris and Brent Bloom talked about the game that changed it all the Texas game in 2017 and I had forgotten about how bad our defense was prior to that point and how uh, coach Campbell and coach Haycock really redesigned everything prior to that Texas game and how we went from being a defense that wasn't great to being a defense that was respectable and suddenly a defense that there's an expectation to be great and it's amazing to me how quickly that expectation took hold and over basically a season and a half it transformed everything yeah and so the expectations were high and like I said they delivered I looked at the stats last night we held you and I to 34 total rushing yards which broke down to 1.1 yards a carry so that was incredible yeah the passing defense didn't look quite as sharp to me that uh McElveen's a slippery little sucker (laughs) it just seems like they had a lot of broken plays and every time he'd get out of the pocket he'd make something happen so it'll be interesting to see what happens when Iowa State's facing big 12 quarterbacks that are mobile but I am hopeful that the defense can continue to deliver yeah definitely and I I think like going into overtimes I almost felt relief going into overtimes because I was like I feel like we can hold them to a field goal. Right. I feel like we can like possibly hold them to a field goal and then we have the opportunity to do something better than a field goal. So I almost, I mean, I don't want to say I felt good going into overtime, but kind of looking back on it, I think that, that we were in a decent spot because of our defense. Which is an interesting perspective and something I wanted to mention because I think we've seen this game play out and not necessarily specifically the overtimes because I think we're actually 3-0 and in three overtime games, which is <laughs> weird wow yeah but um you know we've seen this game play out in the form of we're supposed to be this great football team and here we are getting beat by you and I we've seen that a gazillion times and you know almost every time in the past we lose that game yeah and that's just the Iowa State way but that wasn't the case this weekend and so maybe that really is the difference between this season and all those other seasons yeah definitely I actually got a text from my dad as the game was getting over he's like just just checking we won that right (laughs) like if you remember like my parents aren't really huge sports people he's like just checking we won that game right and I'm like yeah dad and actually my husband's dad texted him and my husband had DVR'd on his parents DVR the game and for every sporting event they ask if you want an extra 30 minutes just for overtime right it wasn't long enough so it like cut off before the end of the game and his dad's like oh my gosh what happened I need to play by play 
but that was a long one. It was a long, it was way too long. Yeah. And one good thing I will say is that the injuries that we saw did not look season ending. Like that's what I've heard anyway. Yeah. I tried to brush up on that today and it sounds like they're better than they looked. So let's hope that we have a center, our center back for the Iowa game. Yes. And I did read that he's from Ames High, my alma mater. There you go. So Ames High, Ames High. Yes. Ames High, Ames High. You go, dude. The other, uh, the other difference maybe in in this season compared to other seasons is maybe that was our one demon that we exercised and it's done it's out and we're done with it so you know what i will say we played a game right (laughs) which i couldn't say last year right (laughs) that's right so fingers crossed that moving forward you know it's going to look a lot cleaner on offense and the defense continues to deliver but regardless we're one and oh that's all we need to remember, and let's just put the rest of it in our, yeah, the garbage memories. A win's a win. A win's as a they win. Say. Yeah. So, do you want to talk some tennis? Yeah, I do. Okay. okay. So we were watching this last night, and it was just a really cool moment, like for me. So my daughter is I'm white, my husband's black, so my daughter's mixed, and we're sitting there watching like two African American women play tennis, which I'm already getting goosebumps. So uh, Naomi Osaka and then Coco Goff were both playing against each other, and it was just a really cool moment so Naomi got kind of famous because she beat Serena last year in the 2018 U.S. Open finals and I actually watched that game as well and then um, Coco this year beat Venus at Wimbledon and she's only 15 years old so 15 year old playing and Naomi was ranked number one so Naomi is from Japan Um, Coco's you know here in the U.S. so they're playing each other and Coco is she's playing well but just not as well as Naomi like right. she Naomi is just on her game and you can tell like she's kind of jogging in between you know and in, she said it was the most focused she's been yeah, yeah yeah so in between hits she's kind of jogging and like pumping herself up and stuff and she's just super focused and she did she ended up beating Coco in straight sets but afterwards you can tell that Coco is really bombed you know like this is the end of this year's U.S. Open she does have doubles um and so she this is the end of her singles for the US <clears throat> excuse me the US Open this year and she was bummed and so and Naomi comes over to her and she said like hey do you want to do this post game interview with me like everyone here is here to see you they want to hear from you and it was just this moment and Coco was like I'm crying I don't want to do this while I'm crying and Naomi was like it's better to do it here like cry here don't go cry in the shower you know which I thought was so cool yeah because there's this I mean if we know there's a stigma that crying is a sign of weakness and here she is saying don't go cry in the shower by yourself where pretty much everyone has told you that's where you go to cry yeah and here let's cry in front of everybody and I think that was I don't know whether she intended it or not but for me it was a you know an implication that crying is not a sign of weakness crying is a sign of passion and that you care and I totally relate to that I'm a huge crier I cry all the time (laughs) and it's not it's not because I'm weak it's because I care so deeply about even small things that it just comes out and that was really cool to see play out on a national or international stage that crying is not a sign of weakness crying is because you care and the world wants to see how much you care yeah definitely and I mean she said it she was like everyone here is here for you they wanted to see you they were cheering for you like go show them what you got you know like get up there because it was almost implying that like like you're gonna be number one soon right so get used to it right get out here get these interviews under your belt 
like get used to it get used to talking in the microphone because this is going to be you soon and I feel like that's something that Serena kind of passed on to Naomi last year was like all right you know like I'm passing of, the torch yeah like I'm mentoring you like let's learn how to do this and let's come come aside each other and I just think it's really cool for for a group of women like black women have not been tennis stars before Serena and Venus came and Serena and Venus Venus came in and said we have the ability we just haven't been given the opportunity yet and here's our opportunity and then they bring the younger people under their wings and say here's your opportunity you know I'm going to give you all that I have you need to come out here and beat me and then you know if you do or if you don't we're going to show United front. And it was the, you know, they're f- the fiercest competitors in the world, but they're cl- completely class acts. Yes, total class acts. And then even like, so Coco kind of said, you know, thank you to everybody for being out here, whatever. And she even said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that I'm trying to take her shine. She's 15 years old. And for right. her to have that awareness, I just thought it was so right. incredible. And then Coco came on and just, you know, recognized uh, I'm sorry, Naomi came on and recognized Coco's parents and just said, like, you're raising an incredible daughter. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, the feels, you know? Yeah. And that was just another class act. And just, like, women's tennis, it was cool to see. And I'm not a tennis. I mean, I appreciate what tennis is, tennis is and all of the superstars. I just yeah. have never followed it. Yeah. And But that moment is something that you can appreciate, whether you're a tennis fan or not. Or even if you're not a sports fan, period. That's yeah. something that's going... You should go, and it's worth the watch. Yes, definitely. YouTube it. It's easy to find. <laughs> I mean, Serena plays tomorrow, so if you want to see her play tomorrow, she plays, I think, at 6. And I will say, I was telling you this earlier, I want to be like Serena Williams. I am trying to get my daughter to name her doll Quake because that's what Serena's daughter's doll's name, which is creepy that I know that, but I follow <laughs> her on Instagram. So uh, every time I'm like, you know, Rosa, that's Quake And Rosa's like, no, that's just baby. That's baby mom. Like, no. Quake Quake. Quake Just keep trying. I know. You can give us a, you know, a weekly update on the Quake Quake watch. Yes. <laughs> she will be Quake Quake. <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah, so it was just a really neat girl power moment, and I'm glad you brought it to my attention because yeah. I saw rumblings of it last night on Twitter, but I didn't take the time to watch the whole clip, and once I did, I was a sobbing mess. So. I know. Yeah, watch the clip, <laughs> y'all. It was good. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready for this hard right? I am. I'm ready. Okay. To, I'm ready to hear what you have to say because you you told me that you've written some things that you've never told anybody yeah. before. Yeah. So what happened? Well, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna launch right into it. And essentially, the stuff I've written, I don't even know if my husband knows. I'm written it. I've written it, but it um, it really came from a place of hurt, I guess, that I didn't know was there. So let me just take a minute to set up what happened last year, and then we'll dive into that. Okay? Yeah. So about a year ago, on September 17th of 2018, police discovered the body of Celia Barquain Arosamena. She was 22 at the time. She was. A highly decorated Iowa State golfer, Big 12 champion, Iowa State female athlete of the year among, you know, dozens and dozens of other awards. And she'd been golfing by herself that day when someone she didn't know, a total stranger, murdered her. Yeah. And we later found out that uh, Celia's murderer was homeless, had a host of mental health issues, a, you know, some criminal background. And it was, I mean, a senseless and random murder. I'm sure you've saw you've seen in the news he was recently sentenced to life uh, without parole, and 
there was just a, I mean, we're approaching the one year mark and a lot of these emotions that I had last year at this time started to bubble up. Of course, it rocked Cyclone Nation. It rocked the national golf community. It uh, rocked the international golf community. But I didn't know Celia personally. I'd read her name. I'd seen her name. I'd heard her name just, you know, by the way, of she's an incredible golfer. But I didn't even follow the women's golf team closely. But her death shook me to my core. And I spent a lot of time reflecting on it. And I think there's really two main reasons. And the first is something I think anybody who's lived in Iowa for any significant period of time can relate to. You know, Celia's murder came on the heels of the murder of Molly Tibbetts, who was another young Iowa girl who was abducted while she was on a jog in her hometown. And senseless random murders happen all across the country every single day, but they don't happen in Iowa. Yeah. And they especially don't happen in such a rapid succession or short period of time. They just don't happen. And you lived in other places. Yeah. Do you feel like we have a heightened sense of security here? I it's tough like I've lived it's tough for me because I lived in Chicago and New Orleans so arguably two very dangerous right. places I very rarely went out alone in any of those cities I think I kind of got a little bit of a false sense of security in Chicago just because I was more on the north side and more in like the Wicker Park sort of safer quote-unquote areas and I just kind of got to know the areas a little better and I think Growing up in Ames, I always felt safe. Right. I mean, played out with other kids down at the creek, you know, late at night, even, you know, walking on campus all alone at Iowa State, going to and from sports late at night, you know, when I was in high school and stuff like that. And I never, never felt threatened. And I think that I was almost naive. Yeah. And I think that could play a part in it, you know, and frankly, I don't know the statistics. It's just always felt like such. I've lived here my whole life in various cities, small towns, you know, Johnston, Des Moines. And I've just always felt like this is a safe place. I know bad things happen, but generally speaking, Iowa feels like a safe place and you don't have these crazy random murders of young women they just don't happen so that was the first part of it and the second part of it is a little bit more complicated and that's the part where I spent some time writing and reflecting but you know you know I work in a in an industry that's predominantly male and a niche of the industry that's predominantly male I am oftentimes the only female in the room I get mistaken for the court reporter all the time (laughs) but it's never crossed my mind to be afraid or intimidated yeah but uh, the murders of Celia and Molly kind of forced this realization upon me that Yeah, I can go toe-to-toe in a courtroom fight with a man, but that's not necessarily physically true. And don't hear what I'm not saying, because I'm not saying women are weak. Right. I've given birth twice. I've run two marathons, both of which came after giving birth. You gave birth. You hit a home run last week. I hit a home run. (laughs) We're not weak. Women are not weak. All I'm saying is that if I'm running on a trail and a guy jumps out of the woods with a weapon, he's probably going to take me down. Right. And the realization that there are people out there that could do that and I guess more importantly people in the community that would do that just was so incredibly unnerving to me and I'm a avid runner I run three to five times a week every week and it was like running went from being something that could just you know help me find my peace of mind help me find my place of zen to something that 
was scary, um, something that required me to be hyper vigilant. I went from waving at people as I passed by them on the trail to wondering if the next guy that passed me was going to murder me. Yeah. And that made me mad. It yeah. made me really mad. And I started sharing that with friends and I realized that they were mad too. And they were mad that as females, we have to take precautions that men don't and men don't even think about. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you do things like this. I run with Mace. Yep. I run with one of my ear pods out. And I can promise you that my husband doesn't think about doing those things. And I was actually talking to my husband about this the other day. There's a reason that I no longer run at the Raccoon River. So Raccoon River has a 5K around. And I choose to run at Copper Creek, which is like 1.22 miles. I I prefer to run two or three times or walk two or three times around that path because it's wide open right i can see all the way across there's woods but there it's it's open whereas at raccoon river it's just woods everywhere right and a lot of the times i'm walking and i can't see anybody in front or behind me and it's scary you know it's totally scary when when somebody passes me when like a man passes me i'll kind of keep checking in my rear view you know yeah, like, and you look over your shoulder yeah wondering did he turn around is he you know looking back at me did he slow down did he decide to change directions you know what is he doing and it like it's stressful it is and, and I, I take you know in parking garages I always yeah. have a key between my fingers it's yep. just little things like that that I've always you know I've learned to do in the last couple of years that like I said my husband other men I know don't even think about doing yeah and that's unfair and it's <laughs> it's just spurs so much anger because it's unfair fair yeah but this I think you know that anger built for a couple of weeks and a couple of months and then it kind of turned into action which was really empowering it was like there was this recognition that yeah it is unfair that women have to take precautions based on the bad behavior of certain men but let's take control of what we can right now so you saw all these women organizing um, self-defense classes Mm -hmm. or organizing community um forums where you have police officers coming in or city officials coming in saying what can we do to help you stay safe what can you do to stay safe and that was just a really positive step forward I think a really empowering step forward but the problem is here we are a year later and I'm still mad yeah and I you know yeah it is a year later but the wound is still open and I think until that wound closes these important these conversations are important to have and they're necessary to have yeah definitely and I think that it's just necessary to a have the conversation that things like this happen right you know like we can probably both have stories I used to live in an apartment downtown just across from Terrace Hill and One night at two in the morning, I get a knock at my door. I thought it was like my now husband, my boyfriend at the time who worked the the night shift at the TV station down the street. I thought it was him. So I just opened the door. No, it was this giant man yelling at me that Nathan was in my apartment and that he had tracked his cell phone to my apartment, just like psycho yelling at me, had his hand on the door, wouldn't let me close the door. And I mean, I was in my 2 a.m. days, you know, just trying to say anything that I can to get him to leave my apartment. Like, I'm, I live alone on the third floor of a walk-up. You know, who's going to who's gonna come save me from this man? He's large. And, I, like, I'm strong, but I was scared. You know, I was really scared. And so things like that happen I finally got him to leave called the police turned out he was some homeless guy and you know just picked a random door um and after that I 
had somebody from, I also worked at the TV station, Ed Wilson, shout out to him. <laughs> he followed me to work. He followed me home from work many nights after that and waited for me to text him and say, Hey, I'm home. Okay. Absolutely. You know, he followed me and just waited for that text. A, another photographer that I was good friends with, you know, followed me home on a couple nights as well. And it took a long time before I really felt safe in my own apartment anymore and and that's kind of a that's a scary situation but those are things that happen to women you know women are put in the situation that they should not have to be by no fault of their own right right there I literally did nothing I don't know who Nathan is you know I did nothing but I felt threatened and I could have been hurt really bad you know and I think that that's one part of the conversation but the other part of the conversation is clearly this man as well had mental health issues issues right. and mental health issues that hadn't been addressed. And I think that that's part of the conversation too, that we need to start to talk about and not have a stigma behind, you know, Hey, I'm kind of having these feelings, um, that don't really make sense to me. You know, I'm, I'm having these violent feelings. I'm having these depressed feelings. I'm having these anxious feelings. And a lot of the time it's, whoa, 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 you know, like keep that to yourself, right. you this know, is uncomfortable. right. This is uncomfortable. But I think that it's a conversation that we need to start talking about. Like instead of whoa, 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 it's, you know, well, when do you feel that way? Who have you talked to about this? Have you ever felt this way before? Right. Yeah. Um, have you talked to your doctor about it? And, and oftentimes doctors do ask, you know, do you feel safe in your home? My doctor and my last physical asked, um, in the last year, have you ever felt down or sad? You know, something like that. And I think that that's conversation that needs to be starting, starting to have had around men, even around women, but around men, because I think that that's not a comfortable thing for men to talk about. And not as common because, you know, we have those conversations a lot, particularly with babies and things like that. So I totally agree with you. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I'll give Iowa State some kudos because after Celia's murder, Iowa State talked about it, and it yeah. wasn't just limited to the golf team and the golf coaches. It was Coach Prom, Coach Fenley, Coach Campbell, all talking about their grief to the media in a very open and public way, and they never tried to hide the rawness of it. They never tried to hide the uncomfortableness of it, and I think that really set the stage for conversations like the one we're having even yeah. a year later. So I, I think that was really important. And whether that was intentional or not, I think they handled it particularly well. Oh, it just broke my pen. Sorry about oh my that. My gosh, you were real <laughs> I'm nervous. Over there. I'm nervous. <laughs> but you and I were both at the Akron game yeah. last year, and that was super emotional. I was with my daughter, and she was three at the time. And she asked me after the pregame moment of silence, you know, why are we all wearing yellow? And I thought, oh, this is going to be tough. But I just told her one of the golf, uh, one of the members of the golf team got hurt. I, of course, didn't want to tell her, explain the whole thing to her. But I explained it in the form of a family. You know, if your dad got hurt, we would want to show him support by, you know, a form of unity. And I know that sounds super cheesy and over, over simplistic, but she got it. And the truth is that's what Iowa state is. It was a purest example of what it means to be part of the cyclone family. 
And I've never been prouder to be a cyclone than in that moment. Yeah, definitely. I still remember the yellow sweater that I wore. Right. And she she won't remember that, I don't think. But I'll remember standing there with her. And I just hope that... I hope we never have to deal with anything like that, but I hope that over time, you know, I can continue to explain that being a cyclone is being a part of a family. And I, like I said, I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And when things like this happen, like we open up conversation, we comfort each other, you know, we talk about it a year later. We're going to talk about this five, 10 years later because we don't want it to happen again. And we want people to understand that what she did, what she died for was not in vain you know it it was what she stood for was important and what happened to her was tragic and honestly I hope that it never happens again because of the awareness and because we talk about it every year and because honestly like some people think about it every game right you know I remember where I sat in that game if I were to sit in that general vicinity again I would remember you know the people bringing flowers down and putting them on the field during the moment of silence and stuff like that and those are the things that we're never going to forget and they're symbolic of you know this further fight that we have yeah so we we just really wanted to take a minute to to continue the conversation for that reason and if it's mentioned in the news you know we're uh for her and the anniversary of her murder have a conversation about it or if you hear someone talking about the akron game talk about it and so just keep that line of conversation open as we continue to figure out how to navigate this stuff yeah definitely and just i really urge you guys like if anybody out there is just having feelings like they feel depressed or they feel violent or they feel anxious or anything like that open up to people that you care about and start talking to people and if you talk to somebody and they dismiss it and they don't seem to care, tell somebody else yep. and and start telling people and start talking about it until you find somebody who really cares. And that's your true friend. You know, that's your true family. And talk to them. Talk to your doctors about it. There's medication that can be taken. You know, it could be a true, like, chemical, it, chemical yeah imbalance you know it's not your fault a lot of these a lot of these things are just not your fault the way that you feel are not your fault but what you the actions that you take are your fault if you decide to seek help good that you know that that's on you to seek help but if you do something horrible that is your fault and there are consequences to it and so i just i just want to tell people that it's It's more noble to talk to somebody and to have a conversation and to get help than it is to stuff this because you never know what's going to happen. And how it'll manifest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whew, that was a roller coaster. That was. That was heavy. My pits are still sweating. <laughs> yeah, from one reason to another, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, thanks for thanks for chatting about that with me. That's yeah. been on my mind for a while, and I, I imagine I'm not the only person who's been thinking about that, so that was good to get that out there. Yeah. 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 Thank you for your thoughts. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody, and riding that ride with us. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, we're going we're gonna to bring it up a little bit. Yeah. Talk about some of our favorite memories. Yeah. And... Take a ride down memory lane. Yes. Yeah. And stay tuned to us on Twitter because we might be asking for some uh, listener participation. Yeah. So. Also because I'm just hilarious on Twitter. <laughs> I'm truly my 
best hilarious self. on Twitter. You are hilarious all the time. Thank you. You're welcome. But I am it's my true. best self on social media. Truly. Can we just? Uh, can I just tell one more story oh, about you no. before we what sign is up? It? <laughs> I, you were on Twitter. Oh, this is last week sometime, and you and I were messaging, and you told me you had to put your phone away because your arm was starting to cramp. <laughs> <laughs> Does your thumb ever like start to hurt because you've been swiping for no. so long? No, it does not. Oh. Maybe I That's have a, a problem. you problem. Okay, well, our work That's an Elisa that. problem. That's not a world problem. <laughs> I'll start doing thumb stretches or something. That sounds I'll work good. On they that. do have those hand grip things that oh. you can. Maybe that'll help. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. All right, well, I'll get on that. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Cyclones. Yep, go State.